This is Around the League from UGASports.com, the show where we go around the SEC, give you our thoughts, break down each matchup. That's Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins. I'm Dane Young. We're presented by ASW Distillery and Connor Grading and Landscaping, and we'll discuss them more as we go. Let's start with the game that everyone is discussing in this area of the country, Georgia and Tennessee. Tennessee now number one ranked at Georgia, but Georgia Brent still an eight-point favorite. Coach and I talked about it a lot on Tuesday, so we'll give you the opportunity to lead this conversation this time. I mean, the biggest thing for me with this is, first off, in the end, what is sports? And what is the point of us watching sports? Like, it's entertainment. Like, I'd rather watch this than The Bachelor. Sorry. But like you've got this game at 3.30, and then the next game we're going to talk about right after that, I'm glued. We're all going to be glued to, like and entertained for hours on end. But the game itself, I mean, we talked a lot about Tennessee's offense in our Film Don't Lie piece uh, this, this past weekend. But this game, to me, just looking at it back and forth, comes down to two things. Two things really sort of only outside of the things that you can't control like turnovers. Which quarterback handles pressure? because I think both are going to get pressured. And I think one handles it a lot better than the other. And then two, can Georgia avoid what Tennessee's done to everyone, which is the first quarter, 20 to nothing, 17 to three, all that. And I don't, it's not so much from a, can Georgia come back for that? hundred percent, hundred percent. It's the, what do we know of the offensive coordinator when those things happen and they get down and, and it's sort of out of schedule for them get very drop straight, drop back heavy. And I think as long as it's like last year against Tennessee, it was 10 to seven at the end of the first quarter, as long as it's in that sort of three point tie game at the end of the first quarter, I think it's going to be, you know, an absolute just instant classic whale of a game. Coach. Coach may be frozen here for a moment with the uh, internet deal. Here's my thing, Brent. I, I'm going to look at it and say not only – because I agree with you on those two things. I think that there's two players that are pivotal for Georgia here, and they're both true freshmen. Michael mm -hmm. Williams and uh, Malachi, Malachi Starks. Starks. If those two guys play well, then Georgia's going to be just fine. If those guys do not play well, I, I can see Tennessee having its way. Now, when I say those two guys, that means that their teammates around them create situations for them to make those plays. But then when they're in individual one-on-ones, can they win them from there? I mean, you think about – we we I'm getting ready to write a piece for the, for the website, but you talk about two true freshmen and their importance. And just youth kind of everywhere in a way. Like Brock Bowers, one of the best players in the country, still a sophomore. Like some of the other guys with, within Georgia's team, very young, sort of on the whole. When compare that to Tennessee, 30 players on Tennessee roster, Tennessee's roster, have played over 200 snaps. Only one of them has been in college less than three years. They are a veteran, veteran team and guys who have played a lot of football. And, you know, they're, you know, I know what was it? Uh, Eric Ainge was tweeting about Sanford not necessarily being at home field of uh, advantage. But I will say the, the experience factor will help Tennessee in this game. But I, the pressure thing for me is the, with the QBs. That's the biggest deal because neither has really been pressured. Both are sort of lower end uh, in all of the Power Five and really all of college FBS in terms of getting pressure. But 
I think when you look at just how they've handled it, Stetson Bennett has handled pressure a lot better uh, than Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker's passing grade when he's pressure right now is 36.1. And, and I think if you if you're Georgia, you have to create pressure in some way. Last year they blitzed like 51% of the snaps. I think you're gonna see some, you know, you're gonna see them play kind of how they played the game a year ago, I think. Earlier in the week, Coach Don and I did an interview with Reese Davis, and he reminded us these are two quarterbacks that are 25 years old. Like, th- this is two guys that are playing football at just a higher – they've played a long time. They're adults. Mm-hmm. Coach Don, and how much of a difference does that make when you have a 25-year-old as your quarterback? Well, they've been down the pipe. They've, they've had a lot of practice opportunities. They've had a lot of pressure situations. I think m- more so for Stetson. He's been in more big games than Hooker just because of the way Georgia's won compared to Tennessee. But uh, Hooker's certainly having a, an unbelievable year. But – you got to get him off his spot. You can't just let him sit back there and uh, pat the ball because you can't cover these guys all day. But uh, the one thing that I would say is Georgia's offense certainly got the challenge to keep up with them a little bit, but but also just maintain this kind of uh, philosophy that you've had all year. Accentuate your defense by playing good field position, taking care of the ball, uh, making a lot of first downs, and Hopefully, 19 is going to get plenty of looks, and uh, you're going to get the ball in him and make some big plays. But uh, I, I like our team one through 44 better than I do Tennessee's one through 44. They got some good players, but they haven't they haven't had near the recruiting background that we've had. So if you're on a special teams play that you got a chance to change the game around, you got to do it. Uh, hopefully, Tennessee will drop some passes. We'll get some tip balls. And uh, but the home crowd's going to be huge. Very Let's much. Move so. on to the nightcap game, and like you said, Brent, I'm just as excited about this one. Number six, Alabama, at number ten, LSU. If you were looking for a narrative in the rankings that I thought was most interesting, yeah, there's all the chatter at the top. LSU being at number ten is yes. fascinating for how the committee views LSU and the opportunity in front of them. Ahead, Especially man. when you look at them compared to like the AP and the coaches poll, like that's the biggest difference. Like probably the biggest difference in all those was them. Seven o'clock Eastern time, six o'clock central on ESPN coach, Alabama, 13 and a half point favorite in Baton Rouge. Well, they've had a tremendous record against uh, LSU over the years, particularly at night. Uh, they've just had the, the number of uh, LSU, regardless of who the coach has been uh, going back to even uh Shula, all those guys, Stallings, they just won so many games there at night. But, you know, they got a new sheriff in town and Kelly. He's really got those guys to believe in him. Their quarterback all of a sudden just gives their offense instant credibility because he can make the the uh, chains keep moving with his ability to scramble. And now all of a sudden he's starting to throw the ball very effectively. And we've talked about it all year. I mean, some of their receivers were AWOL. They weren't getting an opportunity, but they got receivers can play for anybody. So uh, now they, they're really helping their defense because they're scoring some points where the defense just does, doesn't have to shut everybody down cold, not take as many chances. And I'm going to tell you what, if you can get this team uh, in the first quarter, it's one thing. But, boy, if you don't get them in the first quarter, they've had a phenomenal comeback record all year long, second through the fourth quarter. They've been unbelievable. So uh, get off to a fast start if you can, uh, LSU, in this game because I don't know if you can come back against this Alabama team. Because the one thing about their defense, if they get ahead, 
they can play down and distance and situational football, but if they're even or behind the sticks, they're guessing half the time. Their secondary looks in at the ball. Uh, they miss a lot of tackles. They don't uh, stop the run very good when it's a, a normal down and distance, a, a very average defense when it's a tight game. Coach, you, the, the Daniels part mentioned that. Like, you look at the last three games from Jane Daniels, just the last three. He's averaging 400 yards and four touchdowns a game of offense when you combine the running and the throwing piece. So, like, he's playing on a level. Like, I went back and looked through all of his career. There's no three-game stretch. There's some statistically, but not necessarily also the grading part from the PFF perspective. But And since his freshman year, and he's playing, again, like a whole other level. And when you have a talent like that, because he's obviously uber-talented, it transforms your team, and it's done that with LSU. But then, like you talked about with the rankings, like it's almost like, hey, you realize they got beat by Florida State in the opener. Like that still happened, just like Georgia beating Oregon in the in the uh, in the opener. But anyway, I think I will think I do think it's going to be a very good game. Like it's going to be a end of the fourth quarter kind of game that Bryce Young makes a play for Bama that they eventually sort of take care of business. Hey, there is a player Tennessee on went, LSU. Tennessee went to overtime with a team that lost to Georgia Tech. So uh, I don't know what the committee's looking at on strength of schedule, but they do look at the fact that they beat LSU at LSU and they beat Alabama. And, and you know, Kentucky, uh, whatever you look at it. But getting back to Alabama, if you look at Nick Saban, notoriously has had trouble with the mobile quarterbacks. All of us do as coaches. It's hard to defend them. But you go back to Johnny Menzel and – and uh, Deshaun Watson, all these guys, uh, that's what you're getting with Daniels. You're getting a guy that can – you can't play man under against him. If you break the line of scrimmage, it's over with. He's going to see the same thing next week with Dart, uh, with that Ole Miss. I mean, th- these next two weeks for uh, are going to be defining moments for the Hall of Fame coach, a guy that's the best of all time. Hey, he could end up with three losses here the next two weeks. I mean, when you look at that, he's already got one. I would say it's going to be hard for him to win both of those games on the road, but particularly the fact that their defense is having a hard time against a team that can run and pass. By the time November comes, I really love seeing how freshmen, they're no longer really freshmen in the sense of inexperience. Like they've played a lot of football in college by that point. Guy, everyone needs to know from LSU. Harold Perkins, linebacker. He is and will be one of the best players in the country in terms of of athleticism. He's still learning some things. He is still young. But, my God, I don't know if there's anyone (laughs) in the conference like this guy. Yeah, he's playing great. And, you know, uh, Ojalaji's brother uh, playing unbelievable, too. Uh, I wish he was at Georgia right now, particularly with Nolan Smith out. Yeah, BJ Ojolari's having a great season for them. Hey, if you're taking down your Halloween decorations right now, it's a really good time to look around as you're surveying your yard and saying, what do I need to do before springtime comes? Or what do I need to do before perhaps Christmas decorations need to go up? And that's where you need to call our folks over at Connor Grading and Landscaping. Mike Connor has been a supporter of the Around the League podcast from UGASports.com since we started doing it. And he's a big, uh, they just love 
college football. They love Georgia fans. So call them for your grading, your landscaping, and just for some ideas that you can do, maybe some patio pavers or a fire pit, if that's your thing for some cold weather. Connor Grading and Landscaping can hook you up for that. ConnorGrading.com is where you find them. Just go through and scroll through some of the photos that they have on their website of some of the previous work that they've done. I think you'll find some great ideas that can probably work for your yard and make it where you're the envy of the neighborhood for a home tailgate or for uh, any kind of decorations you want to do for the holiday season. We really do thank our friends over at Connor Grading and Landscaping so much that I need to pop their logo on our screen right here. There we go. I've <laughs> there done you go. some production work. Next game we're going to talk about here, and I just think this is pivotal in terms of directions of programs, Florida at Texas A&M, a noon kickoff Eastern time. That's 11 local time in College Station. This game not getting any buzz, Coach, but when you start to think of narratives heading forward, both of these teams need this, and Texas A&M's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, when the game was over the other night, I would have thought that uh, Texas A&M won the way they were uh, marveling about their quarterback play and the fact that this guy got over 300 yards and all that. The, the bottom line, they got their ass beat. So, uh, And I think maybe fifth straight loss or ever how many they've lost in a row, I can't keep up with them. But uh, you, you talk about uh, this, is, this is time to see what they got because the Gators – uh, give them a chance with their defense. I mean, uh, Gator defense is really struggling. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Richardson uh, really impressed me third and fourth quarter the other day. They had a bad start against Georgia. But, boy, what an athlete and what a rocket arm he's got and all the things that he brings to the table. But A&M's got better players right now. They got a heck of a head start on Billy Napier. But if A&M loses this game, I don't know what, what's going to happen, but uh, it, it doesn't look good for them down the stretch here. I mean, they, they, they feel good about their offense finally, but I don't know if they, if they got enough uh, to hold back the Gators or not. Highest quarterback passing grade of the season from Connor Wegman, the, the freshman, and then most points since 31 that they scored against Sam Houston State uh, in the opener for A&M. So some positive things, even though you obviously have lost – Four in a row. But I think, Coach, what you said about Anthony Richardson was I was and sort of his ability to because he got hit obviously on the first play and it messed with him a little bit. It took sort of some of his Superman capabilities uh, away and he had to play a completely different game. And he stayed in it. He stayed in it mentally. He stayed in it, you know, in the game. He kept competing the entirety of the game. I think he, you learned more about the kid in that game than you had in any other game, at least from my watching standpoint. But the other part for me with Florida is bravo from Billy Napier. Like, at what point, at a certain point, your, your problems become greater than your talent. And, all right, Mr. Cox, if you're going to act like that and do those things and be that kind of person, see you. And, and – from early stages of being a coach and tone setting and culture setting and all the things that go with it. Good for him. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, 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 it's always tough to dismiss somebody, but a guy that's supposedly one of your top players, but as he mentioned, it was a cumulative effect, like the same situation was here for the young man at Georgia. Hopefully he'll look himself in the mirror and say, look, I was at two of the, 
preeminent places in America playing college football and neither one of them in the end felt like I was worth messing with any longer. So he's got to grow up and that's going to hurt him as far as draft. I mean, do these coaches talk to people about, uh, you know, their demeanor and all that, but, but uh, we certainly feel like that uh, Napier did a good job getting his team back in the game there. And uh, at halftime, it looked like it's going to be a dismal situation. And you go back to last year when Georgia scored all those points at the end of the first half. And then Florida folded like an accordion after that and didn't show anything, but uh, showed a lot of metal the other night. And that's what you can build on as a coach and saying, look, we played a team that's right there and among the top teams in the country, toe to toe the second half, we just got to a poor start. So, we got to we got to be ready to go here on the road uh, against a really good athletic team in A and M. Interesting dynamic over in Starkville this week as John Cohen, who as of Saturday was the Mississippi State's athletic director, does he just walk down the hall in the stadium to, or go to a different box now as Auburn's athletic director? I think that's just this crazy. is one of the few times that a guy could be uh, go as a head. AD box and then go to the visiting AD box and be welcome in both of them. Although I don't know if he'll be welcome in the uh, home AD box anymore, but uh, interesting scenario there. People are talking about maybe they uh, Auburn made a move on the, on the guy at uh, Arkansas first, but doesn't make any difference. Vince Lombardi was the seventh guy that green Bay offered a job to. So it doesn't matter as long as you get the job. He, he's got a big paycheck coming 1.5 million plus, all kind of uh, incentives, but this is a Mississippi State team that's been trending downward the last couple of weeks, played very poorly. But uh, what will we see from them now uh, after a week off uh, and they're playing against an Auburn team? It's got Cadillac Williams coming in there as a head coach. They fired their offensive coordinator, too, along with their head coach. So uh, maybe maybe you'll get Tommy Tuberville to come back and do a guest appearance as the offensive coach for him in this game. I mean, they do. if you're Mississippi State, like you do have three straight home games before you finish up, before the Egg Bowl. But, you know, it's the, the Auburn coaching situation is, is always sort of interesting one. It comes with a lot of banter and social media fun and things like that. But I think if, if you're Auburn, I, I don't see how you go and get somebody, all right, let's go get – uh, this guy who's already coached in two places or this this guy who's been a head coach of a solid team or something like that. I think you need to be fun and go do something different and go get something and go get somebody young. And to me, I know who would be on my radar. Garrett Riley at TCU. Like that guy's offense is going to be fun. He's going to recruit athletes because of his offense. That's might maybe somebody that I would look at if I were Auburn. You want to know hey, the name good. that Good choice. The name that came to my mind, Coach, do you think old Gundy at Oklahoma State would take some overtures for some SEC money? Hey, Gundy will talk to anybody, but he'll stay where he is. I mean, he's uh, he's flirted with a lot of people but never even made the move. But uh, after last week, I don't know if you want to talk to him. Whatever he told that team for the Kansas State game, he needs to forget it because that was – that was a real butt kicking. I mean, I've never seen a team ranked ninth in the country get beat 48 to nothing. Uh, that's pretty bad. But uh, Mike Gundy's a heck of a coach. He's been at Oklahoma State forever as a player and as a coach. And uh, he'd certainly be a good head coach. But I think 
when you look at the Auburn situation, you've got to get somebody that understands the recruiting dynamic in the SEC, uh, understands what it's like to compete against Nick Saban and, and Kirby Smart on a daily basis. That's what they did at Florida because they, they brought in Billy Napier, who had a background in the SEC. Uh, it's hard to come from Boise State and, and understand what the demands are recruiting-wise. I mean, these coaches are on the phone or texting or 24-7 year-round, and I don't think you're doing that at Boise. Mississippi State, by the way, a 13-point favorite in that game. That's a 7.30 kickoff on ESPN2. At noon on the SEC Network, Kentucky's a one-and-a-half-point road favorite at Missouri. And, Brent, this is a Missouri team that just kind of hangs around in some games and finally had it work in their favor this time. Like, where did this come from, right? I mean, obviously they've played well defensively. And that's the hallmark of their team right now. Since the loss to Kansas State, Georgia's 26 points were the, are the most that's been scored against Missouri. So you've got that. And you've got now two of your next three at home. Can you get now to bowl eligibility and be 500 in the league? Like that was something we didn't think about at all early in the season. So kudos to Coach Drink for sort of now who you're beating, but still you're riding the ship and actually getting victories. And from Kentucky's standpoint, just ugh. Just awful plan to me and usage of personnel against Tennessee. And, you know, they actually – they did some okay things, but it was especially offensively. Just run, run, pass. Like, you're you're not going to – there was no sort of diversification, no movement of the QB. They, like, they – I was very just sort of like, ugh, blah, watching Kentucky's yeah, I, game plan against Tennessee. It looked to me like Kentucky, you know, obviously we, they probably drove down there on buses and, and it's obvious they went on separate buses because the offensive bus had no clue what the defense had to do to stop Tennessee because they were playing the game. Like, you know, it was going to be 10 to seven. Hey, you got to mix it up against this Tennessee team. You can't run, run pass and, and, and play like, well, we got seven points now. hoop de do Hey, you better get some points. And just seemed very uncoordinated their effort as a team. Uh, not, not like what you usually see from a Stoops team that really plays everybody pretty closely up. And he's got to catch his team uh, and get them back in his corner uh, from a standpoint of this Missouri team all of a sudden feels like they're really good and they're finding an identity because the defense is seeing the offense get some success. And they were on the brink of maybe, uh, you know, Drinkwitz getting his calling card, but but maybe – they got a couple wins down the stretch here, go to the bowl game, and uh, they got to play Arkansas. Certainly that's going to be a big game, you know, for both teams. But, uh, you know, they could get Kentucky. I mean, they could get them there. at, uh, at for, And they're talking about having a sellout, which that would be for Mizzou. It would be unbelievable. Some of those players wouldn't know how to play with us or sell out crowd. I mean, it, they haven't sold one out in a long time. You say kudos, Coach Drink, Brent. I said just kudos to drink. And that's our friends over at ASW <laughs> Distillery who are sponsoring the uh, Around the League podcast and then also the post-game overreaction show. If you don't know about ASW Distillery, you should know that this is a product distilled by dogs. Five of the six founders from ASW Distillery are University of Georgia graduates. They love UGA. They love the Bulldogs. I promise you some of their team will be in the stadium. But they also just love sports in the state of Georgia. So you've seen at the Battery where the Braves play – 
You've seen that ASW has uh, a tasting room there. They have multiple tasting rooms around Atlanta. And frankly, if you want to find their product, you just need to go where you buy your local spirits and either just grab it off the shelf because it's in most places, especially in the Southeast, or you can request it and say, connect with those guys. I really like to buy that here. I had been looking for that Chin Music Fiddler Bourbon that was special for the Atlanta Braves World Series to celebrate that. Found it the other day at Five Points Bottle Shop in Athens. So uh, that's one that had been on the lookout for, and ASW Distillery is making sure that it gets out there so Georgia fans and Braves fans uh, can have their product for celebrations. All right, two more games. One of these I think is pretty intriguing here. Liberty is a 13-and-a-half-point dog going to Arkansas, but Coach Arkansas looks like maybe it has found its groove a little bit more than maybe two or three weeks ago. Well, Hugh Freeze, even though he signed a new contract, um, this has got to be an audition to maybe get the Auburn job. If they go in there and beat Arkansas, you got to look at him anyhow because he's got those wins over – Alabama and his resume, uh, you know, he's been to the Sugar Bowl. He's coaching this conference, uh, and they continue. You know, he he's a coach that uh, coached against Endon Hooker at Virginia Tech, and uh, Liberty beat him when Hooker was a quarterback. So maybe he needs to call Kirby and tell him what they did. But that, but Hooker was running that icebox offense where they at Virginia Tech, where you know everything's so cold, they never run any hot receivers. So it, it, it really. Uh, I think it's going to boil down to, as we mentioned, can can this uh, Arkansas defense get some stops? I mean, they're still terrible on defense, but they made enough stops against Auburn and got a few turnovers. But uh, this will be a high-scoring game. Watch out. I mean, this, this Liberty, the Flames, boy, they're on fire. The, you got two ends of the spectrum with Liberty. They're a two-point conversion away from beating Wake Forest, lost by one. And then they have a one-point win against Gardner-Webb. So, a little bit sort of two – but they have players, and that's the thing. One of the – with obviously with Hugh Freeze's offense, you're always going to put up yards, and a lot of times the running game is, is central to that. Day-Day Hunter, almost 1,000 total yards, almost you're right at, I think, nine or ten touchdowns total. Actually have some players, a receiver, I think, uh, Demario uh, Douglas, receiver. Like, they actually have players. They don't have Malik Willis, obviously, who's – struggling with the Titans a little bit in his opening start. But, you know, I, I think this is going to be a very interesting game because, I mean, then they went and curb stomped BYU, much like Arkansas did. But for the Hogs, you've got three or four at home and then Mizzou to end of the season. Can you – and you've got, you know, some gauntlet games in there with LSU and Ole Miss, I think, still you know, to come in the next few weeks. But can you get some momentum playing at home? If not, you're – you're going to be probably right at 500 or slightly under or slightly better, maybe seven and six at best. KJ Jefferson's still a player play for them. 12 now. They can't play but 12 now, seven and six. You're the smart guy with a master's degree. You're the doc, seven and six, 13. Bowl game. Bowl game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking it's of bowl, bowl games. Game, that could be seven and six. You're right. <laughs> if South Carolina – I'm just an old dumb coach on there with these guys with master's degrees and doctors. But uh, but I, I do think that everybody's playing for bowl. Just like you, you got a situation with South Carolina here. All of a sudden they thought they were on – and we picked that last week. We said Missouri can go in there and get after them because they're going to be thinking about going to a bowl and all that and worried about beating Florida. And, and all of a sudden now they got to beat Vanderbilt in Florida uh, – 
one of them to get to a bowl. And uh, Vanderbilt, to me, off an open date, who knows what will happen. Well, South Carolina is a seven-point favorite on the road, Brent. As Coach says, if South Carolina wins, bowl eligible, 730. SEC Network in Nashville. I think Hey, night game in Nash Vegas, baby. Kind of home game? <laughs> no, that's going to be a packed house for Nash Vegas. Well, everybody be glued to their TV. Nobody be watching LSU in Alabama. I mean, hey, this this is we're we're calling it here. I'm gonna you know, Vanderbilt gets its first SEC win since October 2019. Home victory, streaks over, fighting Clark Lee's. Get it done. Hey, I can see that happening. I, I I'm not going to say 100, percent but I, I think they got this is their best chance for a conference win. Old Beamer ball would be in trouble there. Really, 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 really trouble for uh, for South Carolina. I I could see it, but I, I still think South Carolina is going to pull out that game. Uh, what a, what a week in the conference we're going to have, guys. And we'll have I think the whole month of November is essentially going to be something like this. Well, and one thing you know, that's interesting now with Tennessee being where they are is for the past however many years. I mean, outside of Florida having one good season under Mullen, like it's been Georgia, and then eh. Now with Tennessee there, if if Napier gets things rolling at Florida, and you have you have some balance in the conference previous, and then you get Oklahoma and Texas as well. Like I think that's much much better for the conference as a whole when it's not just one team on one side and then maybe one or two on the other. It's a little bit of any, could be anything. I mean, LSU controls its own destiny. They can go win out when you. Know, if, uh, you know, Ole Miss is sitting there cheering cra- like crazy for Bama this week because then they would control their own destiny. So it's just – it's way more fun when more teams are good. Ole Miss is cheering for Bama, but Tennessee's cheering for LSU because they don't want to potentially have to see Bama again if they were to get to Atlanta at the same time. So all kinds of rooting interest. We'll be here next week to bring you week 11 of Around the League. Please support the people who support us. That's Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery for the head coach, Jim Donnan. I'm Dane Young. That's Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus. We will all see you next week.